1: Contained herein are the heresies of Redolf Bantwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I study the secrets of the divine plagues and uncover the blasphemous truth that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favored children. The heresies of Redolf Bantwine, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get
0: Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode from our New Deal series, we're talking about the WPA. So grab your federal project number one. And let's get civical. everybody? Hi everyone. Welcome back Welcome to back. Let's Get Civical. We rarely introduce the show's name cuz I always forget. <laughs> we
1: never say the show's name.
0: I always forget. I always we I we're not good. We're not good at saying what we are, but I feel like there's so many indicators of what yes. this show is. We got a yes. lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of letters, there's there's mm-hmm. branding. But we are let's get civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Walentowski. And I am tired. <laughs> <laughs> if there's no there's no reason. There's no reason. I have nothing going on, but I'm tired. I'm tired behind my eyelids.
1: It's very exhausting having to sit at home. Yes. And ponder your existence. It's very exhausting. Oh
0: my God, I it's so existential. I mm-hmm. so I take a meaningful walk every day because it's the only it's the only way I can be outside because I don't have like an outdoor space, obviously. And it's just like it. I just always get emotional when I'm walking mm-hmm. for no reason whatsoever. But I've started because I wear my mask and my sunglasses. No one can tell. It's so good. You no can have yourself. No one can a-
1: tell. Have yourself a good cry on the street. Nobody's
0: going to know. We're all crying
1: behind our masks and sunglasses.
0: (laughs) I just, I realized, I was like, oh, my sunglasses are kind of big. They cover my entire face. I can just let the tears fall. Let them fall. Yeah. God, honey, let them fall. I know. Crazy times. But, I mean, thankfully we're talking about such an uplifting topic. I mean, this I part is rather uplifting. The reason why we had to have this is not uplifting, but it feels—it feels like history is about to repeat itself. Um, it does. Because I don't—I—I've always—I have this joke in my stand-up routine that I think is appropriate to say now, which is I've always felt that we were a little presumptuous when we called the Great Depression the Great Depression. Oh yes. You know, because it's like yeah. now that like the crash is happening, like what, like I just feel like we're making the Great Depression look like a not so good, very bad day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know what, I I know what you? Mean? Mean. It's like yes, because like just we're gonna like talk. How,
1: uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about a very specific part of the program that they put in place in the 30s to like help keep people employed. Yeah. And I like I, as I was doing this research, I was like, oh my god, like we could do this. This would be so great. And I was like <laughs> You couldn't do this now because we can't, all do it. Of this, we can't do it because first of all they wouldn't do it because they're the they passed like eight hundred
0: pieces of legislation.
1: <laughs> but also, like, the stuff that they did to keep people employed all required people to, like, be near one another. And I was sure. like,
0: we couldn't do this even if sure, we absolutely. wanted to. <laughs> I know. I know. Even if we were able to pass legislation, it, this would be not, we couldn't, we couldn't copy this for no. sure. Nope but we've decided truly just before um, pressing the record button that we're doing a New Deal series. Yes, we are. A series about parts and elements of the New Deal that we will do at our leisure. Mm -hmm. And this is the first one. This is the first New Deal series episode where we're going to take a gander at what they did, what the deal was. (laughs) What the deal was with the New Deal. What's the dealio, FDR? What was the
1: old deal?
0: Right, I, that's what I'm saying. Like what, like what? <laughs> that's a great question because Thank this you. is the New Deal. So what was the what was like the first draft deal? Because right. you know that some guy named Brad came in and was like, "Okay, FDR, here's my pitch for the New Deal, not the old deal, the New the deal. New Deal." And FDR was like, "Brad, I told you you need to knock before coming in, and you <laughs> simply won't do it. You simply won't <laughs> knock. You can take the New Deal." And go outside. Go outside. And then come back in. And, and knock then come when back in. And yes. then you can come back in. Yeah. What is oh what is god. the old deal? Listeners, if you know what the old deal is, then let us know. Let us <laughs> know. How I wanna that? know. But let's before we jump into the program that we're talking about today, yeah. let's we have to. Uh, we simply, we have simply talk have, about the de- We have to talk about it. We have to talk about Kevin. And Kevin is the Great Depression.
1: Oh my god, that movie is so freaky. <laughs> sure, sure.
0: Isn't it Tilda? Tilda Swinton? Yeah, Tilda Swinton. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean wow. I, I mean, clearly a, a British movie if there ever was one.
0: If there like, ever was. But yes, we're gonna I'm gonna give us a just a quick little brief timeline of the Great Depression for our friends who don't remember it. And this is coming from history.com and the New York Times archives. I yeah. mean, what a it's home. Real-
1: it's really a timeline of the crash and then, like, yeah. some, like, Great Depression stuff. But, like, it's the New York Times archives. I just, like, if I, like, I would read an article a day. The way that they wrote back then, like, there's a quote in here from there. And I'm just like, it's so mm. good. Like, there's a little bit of snark. You know, yeah. like,
0: there's just, there's information, but it's, like, got, it's got color. The New York Times has attitude, and we do love that. Yeah. It's it's definitely has attitude. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the timeline. So, over the course of a few days in October of 1929, the U.S. stock market crashed, came crumbling to the ground. Those days came to be known as the Black Days of Autumn. Great name because what they could have said was the black days of fall which is not as catchy as the black days of autumn autumn. you need that extra
1: syllable in there the black days
0: of autumn autumn i don't say autumn ever (laughs) i've never gone out the door and been like oh it's autumn what a nice autumn day what a nice autumn night (laughs) <laughs> Let me get a get a uh, some brandy, uh, rye, uh, autumn. Okay, <laughs> it's the second bullet point. We're fine.
1: Here We're we go. Fine.
0: We're good. We're good. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> the market started to decline initially on Black Thursday, October twenty fourth, nineteen twenty nine a record 12,894,650 shares were traded. Investment companies and lending bankers attempted to stabilize the market by buying up great blocks of stock, producing a moderate rally on Friday. And then on the morning of October 28th, the New York Times ran a piece on what was happening downtown on Wall Street, saying, quote, Wall Street, usually as deserted and quiet on Sunday as a country graveyard. <laughs> oh my god. That was for you. As a wait. Wall Street, usually as deserted and quiet on a Sunday as a country graveyard, <laughs> hummed with activity yesterday as bankers and brokers strove to put their houses in order after the most strenuous week in history in which all previous records for the exchange of securities on the New York Stock Exchange, the curb market, and over-the-counter were broken. They did a good job of cleaning up the mass of detail and when the bell clangs at 10 o'clock this morning for the resumption of trading, most houses will be abreast of their work and ready for what may come. I mean, it's great writing.
1: It's great writing. They Fantastic really, writing. I'm this. I don't. There's no name attached to this piece. This is not. what's the thing that's from the New York Times, the archives. Yes, like that's literally what they were writing the morning. The this is Monday morning, yeah. so Friday, Tuesday is when like the whole bottom yeah. falls out, but Monday is when it really starts to go awry. And so they they had been the people who were running these trading houses, the you know the 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 bankers and the brokers were like trying to buy up all of the stock so that they could level out the crash. Yeah. And then Monday comes and
0: this poor journalist is like, it's gonna be okay. We're gonna be great. We're gonna be be great. great. It's gonna be fine. They're all ready. They're doing it. They did a good job of cleaning up the massive detail. Oh my god. Everybody
1: is, they're ready for what may come. No, they weren't. Nobody was
0: fucking ready. Mm. I mean come what may I will love you until my dying day (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yes uh we can say that was an inaccurate prediction that um everything would be fine but like how I mean I will say to this journalist who I'll call Henry I just feel like how could Henry possibly know that the, a crash of this proportion was going to happen. I mean, like, how can you... It's You have two options. You're like, either yep. it's going to be fine, or it's going to be the most devastating stock market crash in the history of the United States, and it's going to plunge this country into a mass <laughs> amount of unemployment and debt, and nobody will be able to feed themselves, and also dust! <laughs> I, that's a lot for poor Henry to, to, it's to a believe. It's a lot for poor to, Henry, and
1: he... He only got, you know, this was very below the fold, you know, yeah. single column. He doesn't have much space. He's, He's not like, an economist. No,
0: Henry's on features. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Henry's compare I mean, the graveyard comparison, I just was like, I know. This is top-notch work, Henry. Because top-notch you know what? Work. He
0: grew up in the country near a graveyard. And he right. was like, this reminds me of my childhood. But I made it to the big city now as a features columnist in the New York Times. And yes, I'm <laughs> writing about the stock market, which I don't fully understand, but it seems fine. Yes. I can't go if I could if I went to this the, the stock exchange right now and there were people around a buzzing, I would be like, seems fine. What how am I gonna know? I don't know what they the, do. The iPads, the numbers, the boards. I'm like, yes, absolutely. Seems seems fine to me absolutely yes the numbers you all... are up on the
1: screen because I just feel like I it's always stressful on the trading floor yeah. no matter wh- if it's high or low it's all about like selling at the right time so I just like I don't know how those people just don't have constant heart problems they have
0: to they have to yeah anywho back to back to the Great Depression yes <laughs> yes so this this prediction by Sweet Henry was incorrect. And then, uh, the storm broke anew and the market went into free fall. Black Monday was followed by Black Tuesday in which, as we've said, stock prices collapsed completely. Yep. On October 29th, 1929, Black Tuesday hit Wall Street as investors traded some 16 million shares on the New York Stock Exchange in a single day. Billions of dollars were lost, wiping out thousands of investors. On those two days, the stock market crashed by 25%, and by mid-November, it had lost half its value. When the market collapse finally hit rock bottom in 1932, the Dow Jones industrial average had withered away by a staggering 90%. That's no insane. good. Not no good. good. That's nope. that's all of it, but some. <sighs> <laughs>
1: That was a good joke that played out right at the end.
0: Thank you. <laughs> that's all Thank of you so it, but much. so... That's good. Um, so between 1929 and 1932, the unemployment rate reached 22.9%. Gross domestic product dropped sharply, a 23.1% drop from 1931 to 1932 alone. Oof, rough year. Yeah, yeah. The, da- the Dow Jones Industrial Average drops from about 241 to 60 and there are 5,755 bank failures with many depositors losing their life savings. Large numbers of Americans lose their homes and farms. So it's all going to it's crap. Bad. And it's, it's, it's very bad. bad. It's bad. Yeah. And
1: there's a lot of research that's like, I found a lot of articles that were about, like, over the summer, how there were like hints that things were going, to, mm. that they weren't going so well, mainly because there had been such. A steady incline in the market, yeah. and people—the yeah. roaring
0: things 20s, were helping. We the roaring
1: twenties, people were like having fun, and they were spending money. And it could only ever come like it can't keep going up forever. Yeah, and they're also like this—the stocks weren't regulated. Like there were a whole, there were many things that, like if yeah. we look at it now, of course we would see like yes, there was a collapse coming.
0: Of course we would see that. Absolutely. If
1: you show, if you showed
0: me the numbers, I would say yes. Yes. What goes up must, must. come down. So I think that is Sir Isaac Newton, but I cannot be sure. <laughs> it's when the apple fell on his head, exactly right. So the stock market
1: crashes in 1929, and Hoover. There's a bunch of articles about how Hoover didn't really. He was like an ine- ineffectual in trying to he get the United States anything. out of this Great Depression. He, he did nothing really. Herby hooves. So then FDR comes on the scene and he's like, "We need new. We need. <laughs> we need a solution. Get get the car." Get, get the, the car. car. We got to Everybody get in the car. We got to go. We got to go. Yeah. So. I
0: just. I imagine. I imagine FDR taking over like day one and like. Lo, like going into the like Oval Office and like opening the drawer to his desk. Like expecting there to be files and there's no files. He's like <laughs> oh my god. The cabinets are empty. <laughs> oh my god. There's no information.
1: There's no, paper information.
0: There's no oh paperwork. <laughs> Where are <laughs> the <laughs> <birds>? <laughs> Bring me the And memos. Herbert's like sorry I gotta go. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Good luck. My best. I love you. My best, Eleanor.
1: <laughs> yeah, so FDR ran on, like, this platform of, like, actually trying to do something and help the public. <laughs> and so over the course of this, like, New Deal series we're going to do, we're going to talk about the different programs. What we're going to talk about today is part of the Works Progress Administration, also known as the WPA. So the Works Progress Administration was an ambitious employment and infrastructure program that was created by FDR, uh, President Roosevelt, in 1935 during the bleakest years of the Great Depression. This is all coming from History.com and our friends at Encyclopedia Britannica. Mm. So mind you, like, he's creating this program in 1935. It had to go, you know, had to get passed in Congress. He can't just, like, spend money. So meanwhile, like, the country has been hurting for straight up five years with, like right. – no, there's like no help, just endless breadlines. People are losing houses and farms and, and like dying of hunger. Right. So over the eight years of its existence, the Works Progress Administration put roughly eight and a half million Americans to work. That's insane. It's insane. Perhaps known best for its Public Works project, the WPA also sponsored projects in the arts. The agency employed tens of thousands of actors, musicians, writers, or other artists.
0: It just makes me like sad. Like, this would never really? happen now.
1: I know. It would that's, never that's happen That's makes now. me... I mean, no,
0: this, I'm, like, yeah. so excited this is happening. I'm, like, yeah. oh, I hate that they employed the artist. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> fucking no. artist. Oh, oh no. I just, like, it, it's, like, just to see how, like, far we've come from this this time where they literally had this huge administration project and they're like yeah. you know who we need to also help in this artists like we have to figure right. out something for them <laughs> for them because it's so essential you it's know? so
1: like it, i mean part of me because i started researching the the works progress administration and they like we're going to talk about what that like what we think of when you think about the works progress administration which is like the infrastructure things right. that they did right and right. the the buildings and the streets and all that which, which they important. did do, which are very important. We're going to talk we a little love. bit about those. Yes. But I think also because there are – so I don't know if you've seen the, the article in the Times about it, but there's a 3 o'clock culture call that happens every day for New York City cultural organizations, and it's really like I, – I listen to it every day at 3 o'clock, Monday through Friday, and it's really an uplifting group of human beings because mm-hmm. everybody – From, like, the big organizations to the tiny little guys are, like, trying to help each other and share information and advocate for one another. And, it like, I stumbled across this section of the Works Progress Administration where they put artists and musicians and writers to work. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, we've – like, all of these cultural organizations are, like, begging for help. Yeah. And – There are some, like, you know, government, either like elected officials or employees or whatever, who are doing great work and trying to help them. But the fact that the federal government during the Depression was like, we cannot forget about the artists and the the, the artist community is like, was mind-blowing. And so I just, as we start off this series of New Deal episodes, I was like, I want to, this is my selfish decision, I was like, I want to start. Here, like, I want to start with the arts because we shouldn't forget about the arts and that the arts are people.
0: Absolutely. Snaps to that.
1: So, yeah. So that's, you know, WPA and where we're starting with this series. But one last note about the WPA. In 1939, they altered their name to the Works Projects Administration.
0: Mm-hmm. From
1: progress to projects. Projects, yes. Sure, sure. In that year, increasing charges of mismanagement and of abuse of the program by workers led to a reduction in appropriations, and a strike by construction workers against wage cuts was unsuccessful. In 1943, the virtual elimination of unemployment by a wartime economy, Mm. the WPA was terminated. So, like, it did great work for about, like, eight years, and there are still lots of things that we have from these like the from the eight years that this program was in place. Right. right. That we use literally every single day. Yeah. That we just like and it touched every single town, state, con- like, county in America. Yeah. So it's really it did, you know, as with anything that's like big government, there are going going to be bureaucracies. But
0: Oh sure, um, the we WPA love really did a lot of good work. Rawr, 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 riff bureaucracy, riff我就知. what a word! Yes. Yeah. Um, All right, tell us about the WPA. S- I will tell us about the the, the projects under the WPA. Uh, this is coming from once again our friends at uh, Encyclopedia Britannica and the Living New Deal. So, during the WPA's eight year existent, it put some 8.5 million people to work. Aside, over 11 million people were unemployed in 1934. So it put 8.5 million of the 11 million, basically, yeah. to work. Yeah. At a cost to the federal government of approximately $11 billion. The agency's construction projects produced more than 650,000 miles of roads, 125,000 public buildings, 75,000 bridges, 8,000 parks, and 800 airports. Oh, my God.
1: They were cranking out infrastructure.
0: That's, I mean, which is, it's insane. Because I feel like insane. now that would be like, the, nobody wants to fix the infrastructure that's crumbling right now. Like, it's insane. No. No, no. Um, so just for fun, here are a list of some of the things that were constructed that people might recognize from this program. So the first one is the 227th Street Playground in Bronx, New York. Uh, It covers an area of about two acres in the sloping lawn between Parkway and the Bronx River. The second one is very notable, you could say. It's the Lincoln Tunnel. And the Lincoln Tunnel is a 1.5-mile-long tunnel under the Hudson River from Weehawken, New Jersey, to the borough of Manhattan. The project was funded by the New Deal's Public Works Administration, and the design was by Ollie Singstad, what I would love to say to Ollie is the lighting is very harsh inside there. The lighting is harsh. It's very you walk you drive in and you're like, oh my god, I am seen. <laughs> Construction on the tunnel began in March of 1934, and the tunnel opened to traffic on December 22nd, 1937. Oh, three years. Charged three years. In, it's a long time, but I guess you're 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 building under a river.
1: You're building under a river. They had stressful. to, like, put the structure in. For three years, I was like, damn, okay. Like, they've been trying, like, Cuomo's been trying to do whatever the fuck to that bridge for the last, like, five years. And they can't even agree on what to do with yeah. New Jersey.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like, if you're going to build something under a body of water, I don't mind sort of, like, building it and then just, just kind of waiting, like, three years to see if there's any droplets. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You right. know what I mean? Just to be like, let's just I, make sure. I don't know how you
1: build underwater. Like, how do you get the water to stay wet? Like, I don't.
0: I it is fascinating to I me. Know. Like, how, like it's you insane. just like. I don't know how you do that. Where does the where do you put the? I don't get it. I where do, get you it wa- where do you the, put the? I've been to the the New York water? Transit Museum where they where they talk about like you know building the subways that go underground or go under like the the river and stuff and how dangerous it was. It was like one of the most dangerous. Jobs you could possibly have, you
1: know? Oh my god, yes, because you could drown and get yeah. hit
0: by a construction equipment and like it's like the New York version of a coal mine. Yeah. It's insane. I was like, you no, no, oh, it's so stressful.
1: It what a time so to
0: really tackle this. Yeah. Um, back to the Lincoln tunnel. The cost of construction was $85 million. The original design called for two tubes. Work on the second one was halted in 1938, but resumed in 1941. Due to war material shortages of metal, completion was delayed for two years. Okay, well, that makes more sense. But again, I think that, like, my theory of just waiting to make sure that no water comes through is valid. Right. Yep. It opened on February 1st, 1945, at a cost of $80 million. A third tunnel was added in 1957. Sure, we love that. Yep. Um, the Lincoln Tunnel is one of a triad of tunnels built by the New Deal to provide better traffic across Manhattan from New Jersey... Queens and Brooklyn.
1: The third one, just to show like the kind of array of things that they did. So they built like playgrounds. They, they like, yeah, rebuilt streets. They built forts, not like play, like, like no, like fort. military like, forts.
0: Military forts. <laughs> they got two blankets and they said, you know what? Let's put this sucker up. Let's put this, let's do it. Get the pillows from, from the
1: WPA. We got this. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also built schools love. So this is Lafayette High School in Lexington, Kentucky. Beautiful. Thank you so much, which I chose just because it's in Kentucky. It's in Kentucky. Yeah.
0: I feel like people expect infrastructure (laughs) projects to happen in like Manhattan because it's, you know, Manhattan. So just to show that like it wasn't it wasn't just things weren't just happening in these sort of like
1: more urban, urban, yeah.
0: you know, metropolises. It's, yeah. we're going to Kentucky because they need to stuff too. Right. And the money got spent everywhere.
1: So Lafayette High School, which opened in 1939 and remains open today, was originally built by the WPA. Again, all coming from Living New Deal. According to the high school itself, it was open to replace Picadome High School and was originally built with WPA funds. It was named for the Marquis de Lafayette. Love. The French general who gained fame during the Revolutionary War. His family also granted the school permission to use their coat of arms on its logo. Oh
0: my gosh. Anybody who wants to use my coat of arms, go for it. Have at it. You have my full permission. It's just a wine glass and a cheese plate, and that is great. Yes. Two tacos, both alike in dignity, is my coat of arms. Oh my God. Oh my god. I love that. Thank you.
1: The school building was totally renovated in 1998 and the stadium overhaul was completed in the fall of 2010. So like, just to say, it was this building that was built in 1939 with federal money where people have been going to school for like 80 years now and it's they've renovated it, but it's still the building that was built by these people who were employed by the government during the Great Depression. I mean like I just feel like we just can't lose sight of
0: that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. We're not good so at important. like preserving buildings from a long time ago. No. You know what I mean? Like, that's not like our thing. That's kind of like Europe's thing. So yes. it's it's nice. It's very these... hard to
1: renovate in France.
0: <laughs> sure, I bet. But yeah. it's like, it's nice when you see these things that that do stand the test of time, you know? It's yeah. kind of one of the fun things about living in Manhattan. And one of the frustrating things about the redevelopment that's happening in Manhattan is like... You're losing all these buildings and we don't have a lot of historical buildings to begin with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, come on, guys. Look at Paris. They've done it. They've done it. Keep the buildings. Yep. So we're going to move on and talk about federal
1: project number one, which is the part of the WPA. So the WPA, we've talked about they built bridges and tunnels and all that stuff. There was also a part of the WPA that was called the Federal Project Number 1, and this project was about employing artists and actors, musicians, and writers, and sculptors, and painters, and all, like, all these people. And they created stuff not only for, like, government use, so, like, a lot of the, the New Deal propaganda and all of the signs, like, all of those were created by people who were, like, working for the WPA, but also they did a lot of, like community outreach and education. And like, it's just kind of amazing. Yes. So we're going to start with the Federal Arts Project, which was created to provide work relief for artists in various media, painters, sculptors, muralists, graphic artists, all with varying levels of experience. The Federal Arts Project sponsored many types of art projects, art and handicrafts for public spaces, including oil paintings, watercolors, etchings, sculptures, mosaics, stained glass, wall murals lithographs woodcuts tapestries you name it they did everything
0: oh my
1: yeah they created posters for public education and civic engagement
0: yes Queens come yes on.
1: yes so the they famous on the like
0: pulse.
1: yeah they knew what was that also they were like probably dictated stuff to do oh my but sorry. like the the famous like Wpa posters that you if you go to our Instagram you can find them
0: absolutely they're right there.
1: The Federal Arts Project also engaged in art education, in which artists were paid to teach the public in printmaking, metal crafts, pottery, puppet making, weaving, and costume design. Like yes, get puppets. the fuck out of here, right?
0: Uh, yes, they puppets them, and like pottery
1: and cost. Like talk about niche costume We design. all eat ball out
0: of bowls. You know what I mean?
1: It's true. Make
0: your own bowl if you can't Make afford your a own. Bowl. Make it DIY. Mm-hmm.
1: They also operated and taught at art centers and galleries where the public could enjoy art exhibitions and take courses in art appreciation. Like oh, it my just God. makes it makes my heart so warm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, what? I want it. I want. <laughs> I know. I want it now. I want it I now. Want it now. Like put Broadway to work. All those bitches, like because sick- they they will do it. Like they'll literally- do it. It's like the, the art community just across the, you know, the, the entire U.S. is so hardworking. If you give them yep. anything to just help them, like, create work and a, and a, and a, you know, um, living wage for themselves, they'll do it. They'll do it. They will do yep. it. Yep. Hardest working community.
1: Oh, Yep. So from the Living New Deal, quote, works of art that promoted social justice, challenged political beliefs, or threatened cultural norms were seized upon by critics of the New Deal mm-hmm. and used as fuel for the argument that the New Deal was bad for America, or at the very least, that art projects should not be funded with taxpayer money. So they this were sounds like- sounds familiar. <laughs> it sounds familiar, right? Like, where have we heard this before? It's sure. why the NEA and the NEH get crap. Surprisingly, the Federal Arts Project survived the termination of Federal Project Number 1 in 1939, when it was renamed Work Projects Administration Program. From then on, it was no longer just a federal program, but it became one that required local sponsors to contribute money to the projects. So, it moved from being, like, just a federally funded thing to something that was, like, kind of funded by the federal government, but also, like, had to have the, like, local government or local private roots. money investment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Holger Cahill directed... Holger? Holger.
0: Holger? Holger. 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 Maybe it's Holger. I don't know. Folger? But what a name. I don't... Holger? Holger. Holger? Holger. Holger horses.
1: <laughs> We're going to say Holger because Folger, and that looks the same. Right. Okay. Holger Cahill directed the Federal Art Project and WPA art program during its entire existence. Could Ooh. you imagine very busy i mean talk about stage management honestly seriously he supervised the completion of an enormous volume of work including 2500 murals 18000
0: sculptures where are the sculptures
1: they're all over literally they're all like they're all I over the that. city they're all over everywhere 22000 plates for the index of american design and 100 108000 easel works Yes. Either like oil, watercolor paintings, etc. So much art. A lot of art. So That's much so art. Wonderful. A significant amount of this work has been lost over time. Sure. But the U.S. Yeah. But the U.S. General Services Administration has been. They realize the value of the art to the nation and they've been trying to locate it and
0: recover it since 2001. Sure. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is worth a lot. Let's so so if you part have a <laughs> history,
1: if you our have history. a
0: piece of art, let us know. I what mean, does we that? don't do anything. I just want to see it. I'm just curious. Yeah, it's great. I mean, take a take a look at that random
1: painting that you have in your house and see,
0: <laughs> like maybe it was painted. See, is it back in the day? Is this it? Yeah, I love that. Okay, let's talk about the Federal Writers Project. Um, this is coming from our friend at the Library of Congress. Uh, love them. Yeah. So this uh, the Federal Writers Project was aimed at providing. Employment for historians, teachers, writers, librarians, and other white-collar workers. Originally, the purpose of the project was to produce a series of sectional guidebooks under the name American Guide, focusing on the scenic, historical, cultural, and economic resources of the United States. I love this. They're like, let's document stuff. Let's document! Because two gals in, like, you know, less than 100 years are going to want to make a podcast. That's right. And we got to right. be here for them. We got to create the American Guide. Yes. So project examples include the first one, American Life Historics, Manuscripts from the Federal Writers Project. And this is from 1936 to 1940. These interviews or, quote, life histories were compiled and transcribed by the staff of the Folklore Project of the Federal Writers Project for the US Works Project, later Works Project WPA, from 1936 to 1940. The Library of Congress collection includes 2,900 documents representing the work of over 300 writers from 24 states. Yes. I like that. Okay. Another example uh, includes uh, a piece called Born in Slavery. Slave Narratives from the Federal Writers Project, and this is from 1936 to 1938. And this collection contains more than 2,300 first-person accounts of slavery and 500 black and white photographs of former slaves. These narratives were collected in the 1930s as part of the Federal Writers Project of the WPA and assembled and microfilmed in 1941 as the 17-volume Slave Narratives of Folk History of slavery in the United States from interviews with former slaves. I like, mean,
1: like so important. <laughs> yeah?
0: Yeah, I mean it's like it's 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 it's, it's literally taking like or- oral history and making yeah. it into the into the parchment, into the page,
1: into the page, paying writers who otherwise would have been unemployed giving to document them money. Something so
0: important to
1: document something so important. Yep. Like it is like mind-boggling. Yeah. That our federal government back in the 1930s was this forward-thinking. I mean, I that's so progress that's such a progressive thing to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This whole thing is very progressive. It's I mean it's,
1: Yeah. Okay. So here is the Federal Theater Project. This is all coming from the Library of Congress. The Federal Theatre Project was the largest and most ambitious effort mounted by the federal government to organize and produce theater events. It was an effort of the administration of FDR to provide work for unemployed professionals in the theater during the Great Depression. The primary aim of the Federal Theatre Project was the reemployment of theater workers on public relief roles including actors, directors, playwrights, designers, vaudeville artists, and stage technicians. Yes, vaudeville uh,
0: artists. Yes. Uh, <laughs> It
1: was also hoped that the project would result in the establishment of theater so vital to community life that it would continue to function after the federal theater project program was completed.
0: So they were like, we need community We have to have theater. theater. We, have, we to have, have to have We have to have theater. Look, the Greeks had it and so should we. So should we. It, it and stands the, gov- the test of time.
1: It does. And the government was like, this is so important. Hopefully if we jumpstart this, it will. people will catch on and it will last. Right. The Federal Theater Project was administered from DC, but it's but they had many like theater companies that stretched across the nation. It functioned from 1935 to 1939 and when its funding was terminated, but in that brief time it was responsible for some of the most innovative staging of its time.
0: Sure. I bet they did so many cool things.
1: They did lots of cool stuff. The instructions for Federal Theater there's like there's also, I will read this because it's a short document, but it's also very easy to read and it's super fun to read. It's the right. instructions for, for federal theater projects and like what was kind of mandatory or like not mandatory, but what they what they the kind of work that they wanted done. Yeah, and so it included requirements for productions of marionette and children's theaters, vaudeville, variety, and circus pro, circus projects, and teaching theater techniques.
0: Oh my! my teaching theater. Teach it. Uh, I just, I might have like this,
1: this made my heart so warm yesterday when I was researching this. The commitment to like producing all of this work is reflected in the audience section of the third year report of the Federal Theater Project. They put out reports. Of course they did which noted that 80% of performances were presented free of charge. I
0: can't even imagine.
1: I can't even imagine. In state institutions that included asylums, reformatories, homes for the aged, hospitals, and prisons. Like, this this is the original, like, theater for the community. It's community outreach. It's community outreach. It's... Like, my, it just blows my mind that we were doing this in 1936. A review from the Boston Production Notebook of Macbeth, the Federal Theater Project put on a, a production of Macbeth, said that, quote, "...the people who came to Macbeth were not of that class who entreated decay of the theater by patronizing it mm. or by regarding it as an art, as one of the finer things of life. They were people, mostly poor... Who came to the show because they wanted to see Macbeth.
0: Because they wanted to see Macbeth.
1: Close quote. I mean, just like...
0: One, one, of, the, they, one of the greats.
1: One of the greats. Like, they just wanted to see theater. Not because it was like, oh, it's art It's fancy and it's, and it's like, like oh. you
0: know, it's posh to see theater. Right. They just want to they see Macbeth. Like, they just wanted to see Macbeth. Yeah.
1: The production of Macbeth cost less than the price of a movie. It was directed by Orson Welles.
0: Yeah.
1: Who trimmed? Yeah, I mean, like, great. Trimmed the running time of the play to one hour and incorporated a variety of auditory cues such as jungle drums, chants, and dramatic lighting to enhance his abduct- adaptation of Macbeth. He was. I like, would
0: love to see this one right? hour Orson Welles right. jungle drums like, version of Macbeth. I bet it's insane. I've gotta be. I bet he's insane. like, you know what? There's no rules. It's the Great Depression. I'm doing this right. in an hour. Yes. Let's go. In an asylum. In an asylum.
1: <laughs> I mean, just the power of theater. Incredible. Yeah. In an attempt to create new plays, the Federal Theater Project often recruited new writers. Bless. Mm. Get that new talent. The project's first six-month report acknowledged that, acknowledged the criticis- criticism that it is easier to build a dam or teach a trade than it is to develop a playwright. Sure. 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 Easier to teach somebody how to hold a drill than to, you know, weave a theme.
0: Than a than an act structure. Yes. You know.
1: The report explains that one of the goals of the Federal Theater Project is to create plays and provide training for aspiring writers. Quote, training for the playwright was the starting point of the Living Newspaper, a New York theater unit engaged in portrayal of the news of the day by writers who are attempting to dramatize salient situations objectively. So okay. they were, like – They're giving them assignments. They're giving them assignments. They were, like, here's the news. Put – make it – put it on stage. Like, put this article on stage.
0: Yeah. I love it.
1: It's, like, it's, like, that group of kind of – who did it? Was it, like, Lucy Thurber? Somebody did, like, a, like a dramatic reading of the Mueller report.
0: Mm, yes. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, 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 I do. I don't remember it's, who it, it was. I don't though. remember
1: who it was. But, like, some they did that, and it was, like, every – you know – a bunch of theater artists from various uh, disciplines participated, but they were like, let's try and make playwrights. Let's try yeah. and teach them. Yeah. Let's try and teach people how to like, Let's give them it. Like, let's try it. And they, cre- they like, they did this living newspaper thing and the pr- living newspaper productions included triple a plowed triple a plowed under an account of the agricultural administration act that paid farmers to ruin their own crops
0: Oh my God. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love. Love. Another
1: production was One Third of a Nation based on Franklin Roosevelt's inaugural pledge to feed and house the nation. It's great.
0: Great. I that was moving.
1: Moving. So very emotional. Uh, and Arthur Ar- Arthur Arntz? Arntz? A R E N T apostrophe. A R E N T. Arntz?
0: I think Arntz.
1: Arntz? Arthur Arntz? 1937 Arntz? play. Arntz, maybe. Um, 1937 play Power, which was a history of electricity and the companies that controlled it. I, I mean, i watch that. I bet I it's w- great.
0: I bet it's great. Can you great. imagine? I bet it moves.
1: I would, to- I would totally watch that. Absolutely. I mean, goddamn. The WPA's Federal Theater Project, I think ended in 1939, it was a victim of congressional angst over, you guessed it, racial integration, charges of communism, and perceived wasteful spending. Hmm the Fed- Federal Theater Project had entertained millions of Americans with performances all across the nation.
0: Man, can't yep. have a good thing, can you? Yep. Love that. Okay, and finally, the last little tier in this is the Federal Music Project. And so this was created to employ professional musicians registered on the relief rolls as instrumentalists, instrument instrumentalists don't yep. like that word as <laughs> instrumentalists singers concert performers and music teachers the federal music project musical units performed symphony orchestras small orchestral ensembles string quartets chamber music grand opera light opera vocal ensembles vocal solos dance orchestras and theater orchestras i love it i love it's, symphonies it's- so much I love, love it. It's love so much orchestras. music. I love them so much. Venues included festivals, community centers, theaters, and military installations. Love. Yep. Other programs included music education, including music at public schools that did not provide regular music instruction for the pupils, music copying, and music libraries, which were ultimately incorporated into public and university libraries. Radio programs and music laboratories, which consisted of the performance of a program by one or more contemporary musicians, preferably young musicians, in need of a public hearing, who afterward took the platform, explained their musical purpose and views, and replied to questions by the audience. Oh, my God. They were the original artist panels. A Q&A. Yes. and <laughs> They did artist Q&As. Like, That's so fuck amazing. Me. That is so amazing. Oh, I love that. Yep. When the federal project number one was terminated in 1939, the music project kept going through 1943 with funding from local sponsors. There was quite a demand for content. Quote During January of 1942, 2.4 million Americans attended WPA music performances across the nation. People love music. Mm-hmm. And then to put that in perspective, million people attended a Broadway show in the 2018-2019 season. Assuming the January rate of attending for the WPA music performances held steady for the year, their numbers would be doubled that of Broadway's. So if they would have gone a full year, we would have been at like 28 million people going to these these things per year. To these things per year.
1: Like all across the country.
0: Yeah. Ordinary Americans were able to attend symphonies for the first time, received music instruction in school, and even given opportunities to perform themselves, all at a low or no cost. Professional musicians in the program had their skills preserved and enhanced, allowing them to continue their careers. Several major orchestras were saved from collapse under the financial stress of the Great Depression. In fact, several orchestras today can trace their origins to the WPA, For example, the Utah Symphony reports that their orchestra, quote, was created as a WPA orchestra under Roosevelt's New Deal. Yes. uh, It's amazing. It's truly amazing. It's just like. It's so amazing. Like, like, it's like, it's, it's, I can't even comprehend it. Yeah. Truly. I'm just like, this is insane that this was a thing that existed that we did that was a priority until, like, you know, people freaked out and they're like, actually, no. But then. out.
1: Because white and black
0: people can't mix in communism. Yeah, I know. Because we're racist, and I forgot uh, for a second there that I was. Um, but it's interesting that like so many of these projects kept going past the like defunding of you know the WPA and and you know the federal project number one thing. Yeah. That like locally, people were like, "We're just gonna keep this going." Sorry. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. not. I'm not gonna stop doing this, because it's very importante.
1: Because it's important, and because there's a there was a demand, and then like mm-hmm. once the economy got better, you know, like you could start charging money, right? You could start charging money because people then had jobs, and yeah. the, there was a war, and people were you know also then needed something to entertain themselves because they're like there, war, yeah. there was a war going on, and their families were being sent off to war, and, and right, of course, sure it
0: was- it's also like interesting that so many of these programs are like. Like the the crowning jewel of it is that people who didn't normally see these things get to see these things, like yeah. that's that's the success, you know. I mean,
1: it's like it's it's the greatest problem solver. Like you have all of these people who need jobs, and um, like you're, it's easy to put. I mean, it's not easy, but it's easier to put, you know, a guy to work who can like, wield a pickaxe, yeah, and like help build a tunnel. It's much harder to especially if you're not coming from the arts or you're not like an arts person yeah to to like find a way for all of these people to have a job that would be meaningful for them right so that they could keep doing their work right and they could support their families but also that it would it would give back to the communities that they're in like that's it's just it's just so amazing i mean it's kind of what they when they talk about like I forget who proposed it, but one of the student loan reform proposals is that, like, if you, because right now there's, like, a teach grant where if you teach for a certain, like, I think it's three years in an area that's, like, underserved, then you can have some of your debt forgiven. But it's, like, I don't know. Do I want to go live in Arkansas? Sure. But one of the things that they, that people have talked about doing is creating, like, a community service requirement. So, like, you do a year or two of community service and what, like, in your field. Right. And then your student debt is forget. Like, and that's kind of basically a a version of what this was. I mean, it's just, um, it's so, like, heartwarming to me that they were, like, not only giving the people who were the artists and, you know, giving, you know, employing them so that they can continue their work. But they were also then teaching new people, so they kept the like the field alive. They kept right. the industries alive, and they kept them growing. But then they also like taught the people in the audience. They taught the community members how to do how
0: to do it, and happening. how to happening. do certain
1: things, right? There and Q&As. what's happening? They were they were artist Q and A's. Like I just can't get over that.
0: I love that. It's, it's so. Happening. It's
1: just such a sweet. Like, just wholesome story about, like, how government can do good.
0: Yeah. Yes. And that is the first of, I'm going to say, many <laughs> episodes <laughs> on New Deal programming because, my golly. My golly. Listen, we ended up
1: here because I just, I, like, sat down to, like, research the New Deal which like I don't know how you do that. And this was one of the things that I came across in like hour 3 and I was like, "Oh my god, this is what we're talking about." I don't care that <laughs> it's like this tiny little program, but it's it was so important and I just think like a really good like palate cleanser for our day-to-day and also a sign of like, you know, it's a it's it's a quintessential kind of new deal type program.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like new and new deal type progressive thinking. For sure. Yeah. So, Stay tuned for more on the new deal. I'm sure we have so much more to talk about. But in the meantime, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us, you can review us, and you can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.